Hello and welcome to Here Are the Nominees. I am Brent, joined as always by David. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Uh, we, we've taken another bit of a break since our last podcast. Uh, it's like we always start with episode one. We're constantly restarting with a, a brand new episode because uh, it's just long enough for the muscle memory to die and me to forget how, how these things go. Yeah, for a peek behind the curtains, we were talking before recording, and as soon as you hit record, uh, I was like, oh, what do we do? <laughs> how, do we, how do we talk? <laughs> how do people do things? <laughs> we just started off by moving our hands. It's like, uh, very helpful for a podcast. Uh, so anyway, yeah. So uh, how have you been, David? It's been a yeah. while. Uh, been good. Um, ton of uh, stuff. None of it really movie related. I don't think I've seen a movie in uh, like three months before revisiting Black Hawk Down. Spoiler alert: What we're talking about today. I've been taking in like a movie break for some reason. You've been watching a lot of TV. TV and and uh, listening to podcasts and and uh, reading books, playing games, pretty much everything. It's like I, I broke up with movies or something. It's like everything but movies right now. Every now and then, I have little little periods that I go through where I just I I'm never in a mood to watch a movie, and then it comes back with a vengeance. And so I went through that like a couple months ago i think and then i've just i've been on a tear lately i've watched i've been watching a lot of silent movies from the early days of cinema mm. um and so i've been probably watched maybe a half dozen movies from like 1918 to 1920 over the over the past week but uh those movies we don't talk about here because this is an oscar centric podcast yeah. we talk only about movies that were nominated for oscars in some way shape or form and uh, none of those were. We're not talking wings today. We're talking choppers. <laughs> no. Choppers. Not talking motorcycles. Not those kind of choppers. We are talking Black Hawk Down from 2001. It is 2001, right? Yep. Is that right? 2001. Right here. So, yeah. This was uh, randomly chosen. We always choose randomly. And um, this was nominated for one two four four nominations uh, at the oscars and it won two of them but uh first we always start with the review so uh actually before the review let's talk our expectations we brought into this movie and uh david let's go back to your second most recent watch of black hawk down because i'm sure your most recent watch of black hawk down which made up for the time gap in our recording schedule um i'm pretty sure you knew what to expect but uh back in the spring when we decided to to do this episode uh how long had had it been since you had seen it if you had seen it and uh what did you kind of bring into it it probably been about 15 years or so this was this was very much another one of those guy college movies for me of a certain group of guys would just have this movie on in their dorm room have like the dvd or have like downloaded it off limewire i don't know statue of limitations covers (laughs) covers that kind of activity but it, it, it really i really associate it with with college and and like young dudes just like getting gigged up on some some shoots and <laughs> i sound like the oldest like grandma talking about you like your little action movies with the shoots we're in our we're in our 30s <laughs> they have their little costumes 
Those are military uniforms, Grandma. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I watched it then, and I thought it was like, you know, I thought it was cool because it's very loud and it's very like gritty. It's probably one of the mm-hmm. first like gritty style movies I I saw. You know, some like shaky cam ish. This was like just pre born identity that was doing that kind of thing. Um, I'm sure there's and there's other things in in indie and probably other other things that were doing that before this. But I remember that specifically is like there was the the other war movies that kind of glorified it, and this was kind of like telling it as it is, or I mean, as much as Hollywood can do. I don't know. And so I. Uh, <clears throat> Was watching it with that uh, that framework. I'd seen it before, and uh, really watched it kind of for some of the craft that it was nominated for. You know, other than its uh, other than its coolness, like the you know really thinking about the sound and the editing stuff like that. How about you? Was this uh, was this a second time watch or a third or fourth time watch for you? It was probably a third time watch, but I think the first two were probably both between two thousand one and two thousand seven or so so yeah it had been it had been a long time for me did you see it in Um, the theater or was it like a home rental i i don't know i probably did not see this in the theater i probably just watched this on a on a rent i think back in 2001 i was mostly just going to movies that dates wanted to go to and i feel like this would not have been uh, one of those yeah i could i could see that but i'm not sure i I don't know it's I, i remember being very impressed with the movie uh, at the time, but I didn't know how it would, I mean, there were things that I look for now in movies that I certainly didn't care about in 2001. So wasn't sure how it had aged because uh, I've aged quite a bit since I last saw it. Yeah. And the, the other context here is like, this came out like a couple months after nine 11 like it was it was shot beforehand and it's like 2001 i think like december of 20 2001 or like early 2002 it came out and it was it was a uh, it was very inextricable from the from the kind of culture of the time and uh right i remember a lot of people um like th- you know being pro flag waving type type of type of movies or people thinking about the military critically for things that were going on then so i was also thinking about it in that kind of aspect it was obviously made concurrent i don't want to say concurrently like they weren't doing that while that was happening but <laughs> um it was made before you know all those events transpired and it kind of put it in a different right. context i think than it than it uh, I don't know. I feel like I've trapped myself in this in this this uh, this context laying, but uh, I hope you you understand what I'm talking about. Yeah, I do. Um, well, let's get to what we thought of the movie and our review of the movie. And um, I think my my initial review is going to be very short. However, I I probably will have more to add later uh, when we get to talking about it more. But I uh, I'll start. I I do think this movie is great. I do think it's very, very, very good at what it is aiming to do, um, which is I think this is a movie that is not really trying to send a political message as to whether the U.S. or the Somalis or the U.N. were 
right or wrong uh, other than I think it's just trying to focus on the experience of the soldiers in the battle. And um, I do think it ha- I do think it spends a little bit of time laying some groundwork f- uh, as far as the setup goes, but I think that it's, um, its main focus is putting us into that survival mode. Um, and I think there's a character in the movie, and, and it's like I said, it's been a few months since I saw it, that uh, I think he says something to the effect of it's, you know, the politics all kind of goes out the window once the first bullet whizzes by your mm-hmm. ear, and then it's just about the man standing next to you. And I do think that's what this movie's about. It's about the brotherhood of, of being in the military and what they sign up for. And also the the, the way they, they really do seem to accept that this is what they signed up for. This is their job. This is what they they set out to do. And um, it's uh, and it's a harrowing movie. It's it's terrifying. I mean, I can't possibly think I could be, you know, in that place and and be able to handle that. But um, I, I just think it's I think it's a movie that just shows us the terror of being in war and. Um, maybe not so much the psychological terror as much as the as the visceral uh, terror of the moment, and it's uh, I think it's very effective at that. It's it's also a, a really impressive action movie. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's the action movie, the, the classic kind of action movie that I that I love to rewatch. This is not a movie I think I'll revisit often, but. It is very impressive. The action in it—it's not fun action it's, it's in like the way that Die Hard is. Action, but it does yeah. really like uh, fatalistic action, like inevitable, yeah. like something bad's good. Uh, dread, I guess. A little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah, but it's—I mean—it's effective though, and it—it's it, it, gripping, and I—I I, I really do think it's a great movie. I just think it's a great movie with some. I don't know that it's problems. I just think that there's kind of a ceiling on how much I can love this movie. I, I think that it doesn't it doesn't aim to be anything more than that. I think it is just a retelling of this story as they, they were trying to be faithful to, to the book, faithful to the story, and I don't think it has a lot to say about anything other than war is terrible. I, I do think it's... Uh, um, I guess this is delving into one of my questions later, but I, I do think it's, it is an anti-war movie, as most good war movies tend to be. But um, I, don't, I don't think it glorifies anything. Um, but I do, I do really like it. I was very impressed by it. Um, and I think Ridley Scott is probably the reason I'm impressed by this movie. I, you know, the, Jerry Bruckheimer bought the rights to this movie, and... This is the same year Jerry Bruckheimer also had Pearl Harbor with uh, Michael Bay coming out, mm-hmm. and I could, I could. That is the kind of war movie that I just hate, which is just uh, almost operatically flag waving at all times. Right. And I feel like this. I feel like Ridley is the 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 voice of control here that reined that in a lot on this movie, because I could very easily see this movie. Uh, having bought the rights to the book, I could very easily have seen this movie going down that route of being uh, just, you know, rah-rah America. And I don't feel like it quite gets there. Yeah. While, while not being critical either. Um, but I, I did, I do really like the movie without 
without being like a adoring fan, I guess, of the movie, if that makes sense. Sure. I think uh, I'm totally in a similar frame of mind of it is, I think the point of it is it's trying to depict it as accurately as possible and totally agree that the ceiling, like there's a maximum of how like is it it is that could possibly be other than like (laughs) being a documentary. (laughs) You are the, yeah, right. (laughs) Uh, there's probably a better way to say that but hey whatever five months off um i think uh there's another reality here because in the reading wikipedia which which i love to do they said that uh, i think simon west is like one of the people who read the book and was friends with uh bruckheimer said they should make it a movie and he was he directed like Tomb Raider Cradle of I almost like Cradle of Filth Cradle of Life instead like a Tomb Raider <laughs> movie like we could have a Tomb yeah. Raider director directing this movie and the Ridley Scott of and I believe is is like the saving grace he is like the yeah. most consummate professional like gonna make it as 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 like I don't know. I don't. I don't want to be demeaning. Like as professional as it can potentially be. Like all the technical stuff working together, all the um, elements of filmmaking, kind of like in concert of just just making this action movie like the best action movie it can be. I think that's definitely in its favor. I uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty similar with maybe a couple more reservations. I think for sure. There's no way this movie gets made like this nowadays for such uh while it doesn't like it's not too political um there is still like there's a overwhelmingly thin characterization of we would have more of the other side I guess I would say if this were yeah. released today and they, they uh you know they happen to be Somali but they're kind of just like it seems like like pan african pastiche like they could be the pirates and Captain Phillips. They could be anything, and like the the accents are kind of uh, here and there, and the the uh, extras, their Somali soldiers, are kind of here and there. I, I agree. I feel like Ridley Scott is almost the only director who could make this movie now, and it still be mm-hmm. good because I, I feel like the approach to this movie would either be we we have to make this we have to go to such lengths to show the other side and to to make sure it's a it's a completely maybe more balanced approach to the storytelling um and make sure we delve into uh the UN's problems of uh how it kind of morphed from a humanitarian mission which is what it was in 1991 uh, or 92 into kind of a uh, we're looking for this warlord, this one warlord who was responsible, or they believed responsible mm-hmm. for a, a pretty atrocious thing, which was uh, the killing of twenty-five Pakistani um, uh, peacekeepers mm-hmm. who were there in in late ninety-two. But um, you know, we, I think you, you're right. We would see that either that or this movie would would be picked up sort of by more right-wing filmmakers who uh, would be more flag-waving uh, than this movie is and um, ignore that side of things, but also probably turn in a, a, a vastly inferior product yeah. of the movie. 
It so. doesn't feel yeah, like it's... I think Ridley Scott balances it pretty well. And the movie he's trying to make is definitely from the perspective of the soldiers on the ground. And you get... Yep. They're, they're kind of framing the reference of the UN by like, you know, I want to take a shot. And it's like, did they shoot at you? And then talking about the constraints of the kind of interactions and they can have and that kind of fills in the blanks a little bit you know even being divorced by this for like you know two decades now away from you know this being current events uh it's just you know it's not quite queasy like the depiction or like the uh the the hoorah of it i think it's uh there's there's almost like a it's still going to be a weird comparison, but it kind of reminded me of yep. The Wire a little bit, like season, like the first episode of The Wire, where you just jump in, and if you're not familiar with like military slogan or hierarchy or you know things like that, they kind of just like push you push you into it, and people are using nicknames and using already using like abbreviations and initialisms for stuff. And I kind of like that. You don't want the... There is the kind of, like, it's my first day. Uh, Orlando Bloom is that guy, right? It's my first day ready oh, yeah. to do it. But everyone isn't framed around, like, okay, let me give you a tour. Like, this is how we... We call this the mess. And it's like, this is, like, I'm, like we, you know... At least they don't do ha- that part. Having listened to some of the commentary, it would not surprise me if it was the Orlando Bloom character's first day. Uh, because they... Uh, you know the scene where uh, they're they're um, at it's it's the day before that they go mm-hmm. in and you, you see everybody in um, I don't not the not barracks but what 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 would be the word for uh, where they all were gathered? I think they call it a hangout hall. No, <laughs> hangout hall. Okay, <laughs> that sounds official. <laughs> So these, yeah, the military boys in their costumes are at the hangout hall, as as grandma would say. Um, but there's a there's a scene of one of them drawing a picture for a children's book he's working mm-hmm. on, and uh, someone comments on it and says, "You're not supposed to scare the hell out of the kids, man. This is this is really dark." But um, and that's the character who ultimately it's probably the most gruesome death in the mm-hmm. movie. Uh, he's is like from like the waist down completely, yeah, blown off. Um, but they were they were saying in the commentary that uh, he that that was that guy's thing. Yeah. He he was he was a cartoonist in his spare time, and he was hoping to open a bookstore when he got home. And uh, so they went to painstaking lengths to uh, provide the correct human humanizing aspects. When that's the kind of thing that it doesn't have to be accurate for us for that to be a good movie or for that for us to you know humanize the soldiers a little bit you could draw you can have any of them drawing something or have them any of them have you know some sort of art uh artistic side but they well, made sure that it was the right you god you wouldn't like think of like memoirs yeah. of a geisha or something it's like these guys are you know they're all individual people and they yeah i guess this was part of like tell their story it was really like the the main impetus to make this thing you you can tell i guess there's a lot of those specific touches where you know it could either be a screen where screenwriters quirk or it could be um could be what actually happened it doesn't feel too uh weird or shoehorned in um you know i'm not a i'm not the kind of person to hold to hold uh like 
biographical or any of those kind of movies to like be 100% accurate. In the end, like I don't really want the truth when I'm watching a movie. I want the story. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm maybe easy like that. So, but uh, no, I think it didn't. It didn't make it. I don't know, cringeworthy. All the, like the specific stuff that they that they put in there. It felt it felt realistic. Some of it was uh, well, the closest I came was the like making fun of the uh, the Jason Isaacs character like right behind him. I and I knew it was coming because this was my uh, my my second time in the last couple months <laughs> um, for for that to be. Becoming some of it, some of it, you know, does play a little, uh, I don't know, stereotypical, but like, you know, what you've seen mm-hmm. in some other war movies, like people playing cards, people like watching movies, but I guess that's that's what soldiers do. Um, and I, I, right. I will say, I am not a soldier, I've never been a soldier, <laughs> um, so I'm not gonna speak for that part. <laughs> Well, I believe those who those who were involved in in that day uh, they they were mostly uh, pretty happy with the movie and the way that um, that story was told for for what that's worth. Yeah, I, I don't need I don't need movies to be accurate either. If unless they're do- a documentary, I would prefer for a documentary to be accurate if it were <laughs> if, if this were a documentary. But if uh, this is just a I mean, it's a movie. It's drama. It's, it's fiction, even though it's based on a real event and has real characters. And and but this is a fictional movie. That's how that's how I treat movies that aren't documentaries. Yeah. And this easily um. could have been a documentary, but it, they made it a movie, so it's got it's got action, and it's it's good at that. So I don't know. All of that is the long winded way of saying like it was it was pretty cool. It was it was very uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> like the some of the technical stuff. I guess we'll touch on them later, but. Really impressed uh, with the uh, with the sound. The sound was really really good. As was the uh, yeah the editing. Well, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Editing was good. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I will say this because uh, really I don't know where else to work these in, but uh, I I did hear from the these are two just like little interesting things I caught from the uh, the uh, commentary that I was listening to that um the uh, their advisor. Who, who was kind of keep trying to keep everything authentic for them. Uh, Ridley Scott wanted to put um, last names on the helmets, which he ultimately wound up doing. Uh, the advisor said, no, we don't do that. That's, that's, not, that's not what we do. And he said, okay, however, in this movie, we have a lot of characters. Mm-hmm. We have about five times as many characters as we would normally have in a movie like this. So in order to help people remember who this is in these names that we're saying over and over again it would be nice if we had some sort of identifying mark so can we just put the names on the helmets if it'll be one inaccurate thing about this movie and they relent they they i mean it was his call anyway so he 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 did that which i thought was helpful and then um he said that they didn't have too many uh, issues from the american government who they did have to rely on for to actually get Blackhawk choppers, mm-hmm. uh, and they had uh, military pilots that were flying them in those uh, those really, I think, really well done uh, aerial scenes. Mm-hmm. That uh, <laughs> he said that they're one of the big reservations from the military was uh, the early scene in the movie when uh, Delta Force snipes a boar and takes it back to uh, for mm-hmm. everybody to eat. 
back at base, and um, <clears throat> the military is like, yeah, we would not do that. We we would not be hunting wild animals with our like ass- assault rifles and our snipers from helicopters. That is that is not something we're comfortable with you showing us doing. That is not a thing that we do. Please do not. That's that's completely fictional. And they were just like, it'll be fine. I don't think people are going to overreact to to that. So that's uh, that was it's it's funny to me that that's what the military like pinpoints in a movie. It's like, wait, hang on, we have, we have some notes. We need to change <laughs> I bet this because I didn't even n- notice. Yeah, I bet it. it's not because it's like immoral or anything. It's mainly like we don't want other people wasting ammunition. It's very expensive to do that. <laughs> it. Yeah. They actually said that. Yes, they said. We don't want. I mean, taxpayers, taxpayers bought that bullet. <laughs> we don't want them waste. We don't want them shown wasting yeah. that on, uh, on that. Um, which I just thought was, I thought yeah. was funny. Speaking of the, the um, uh, helmets, I had a quick question for you. <clears throat> um, even uh, when I uh, rewatched it after not having seen it for forever, there are so many people in here that became bigger people. <laughs> So my, my question for you oh, yeah. is, who was the most surprising person to you that you forgot was in it and was like, oh my gosh, it's young, blah, blah. <clears throat> well, even from a, even rewatch, so I did, I, I, I haven't watched the the movie in earnest in full since March or whenever, but um, like I said, I did watch the commentary, uh, most of it on a, a few days ago, and even having seen it a few months ago, Ty Burrell still <laughs> pops out of nowhere it's like, oh my god, I completely forgot he's in this <laughs> every time. Yeah, uh, I had written down Ty, Ty Burrell. What I really had written down is Phil Dumphy, and then I had really had to remember what his name was. <laughs> it's uh, That, that was yet, a wild one. Uh, the one for me was like... Uh, how about... How, how, <coughs> I totally forgot. Uh, I was just going to say the, uh, the villain from Kindergarten Cop. Yeah, yeah. Was in this movie. The guy who kind of looks like I Tom kept Berenger trying to place that guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, who, who's yours? Uh, I, I forgot Tom Hardy was in this. I know he's he's one of the Tom big Hardy ones. is not. It, yeah, and he's he's in this a good bit, and it takes me a while to realize that's Tom Hardy. Yeah, and he's he's not covering his face or anything or doing a weird voice before he's like full on Tom Hardy. And I, I was wondering if it was like, there's the guy who looks just like uh, Tom Hardy, like, uh, what's his name? Logan Marshall Green, something like that. I was like, is it that guy? Oh, yeah. Who's like, looks a lot like him. Is, is Diet Tom Hardy? But no, that's that's full Tom Hardy. And yeah, I, I really liked his part, him and, uh, oh, I forgot the actor's name. It, Twombles, I think is his name. He goes deaf. I forgot uh, the actor that does that. Uh, t- yeah, t- Tom Hardy is Twombly, and yeah. he's the one who fires right. the and Nelson. I um, think I had Twombles and Nelson as the two, but I love their uh, Rosencrantz and uh, Guildenstern are dead yeah. style <laughs> thing through the uh, very Tom. It's, it's hard to call them comic. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to call them comic relief. Yet that's they're the closest thing to comic relief yeah. in this movie. Um. Uh, and also, people that uh, I didn't know who they were the last time I watched this movie, uh, Nikolai Koster Waldau, yeah, popping up as a member of Delta Force was was pretty cool. Yeah, and he, uh, Hugh Dancy, who was in the Hannibal TV show, he was like the uh, the doc who was doing the like the uh, the, the artery operation. All these all these people, uh, mm-hmm. little little baby versions of them. 
Is this? Uh, is there anything we would know Orlando Bloom from prior to this, other than uh, Lord of the Rings coming out the same year? Uh, this is before Pirates. Uh, Pirates movies came out. Yeah, Pirates was 03. Um I don't. This may have been. A, yeah, I don't remember him being anything before this. This is such a small role for him. He definitely wasn't. I mean, he kind of exploded with with uh, Lord of the Rings, but um, keep talking about cast. Um, what did you think of? Uh, did you have a favorite performance in this of the legion of performances? Um, I think I liked. Uh, I think he is written to be the one you kind of cheer on the most. It's the most action heroy, and it's like laid on a little thick. But I did like Aaron Eric Bana as who. Uh, they call him who yeah he's the one who's like shooting the boar and saying like uh you know when people try to he has like a quote at the end that's like oh yeah you're summarizing the movie kind of thing yeah it's like you know, <laughs> people ask you are you a war junkie you don't say anything they don't understand it's about the man next to you it's like okay that's the reason for the whole movie right there and he's got like a lot of those scenes like you know sacrificing himself and Always seems to be chewing something and real, real Texan, but he's he's uh, you know it's kind of like he's building some some charisma to start like uh, doing more more of that kind of stuff where his career was going to go I guess for a while. So I thought I thought he was pretty good in in that role. How about uh, how about you? What, which of these three hundred men did you, <laughs> did you like? I, I do really I do really like Eric Bana's performance and but again I think it's mostly his character mm-hmm. that is it's just fun to watch it's it's uh you know you're presented with all these great soldiers who are very good at what they do and then he's you can tell that he's like better and more efficient and like the 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 standout among these mm-hmm. standouts which is makes him very impressive um I thought I think everyone does a, a pretty good job here. Josh Hartnett probably is the closest thing to a protagonist this movie has, and he's good. I think Ewan McGregor is uh, um, pretty good as the, uh, the the desk jockey who has to go back out in the field. Um, I think Tom Sizemore gets a lot of uh, scenery to chew, and he does well with it. He's a good choice for that character. Um, I do also like. Uh, Anytime Glenn Morshower shows up in a in a TV show or movie, I love Glenn Morshower. Oh yeah, he's um, the guy who who he's just always he plays <laughs> looks like that kind of guy. He, it, <laughs> it's the same character yeah. in uh, what is he in Twenty Four? Yep. Is that where I know him probably most from? Twenty Four. He's uh, David Palmer's main uh, Secret Service guy in Twenty Four. Um, I always think of him in like as yeah. like a general or like a, a corporal or some kind of military thing, a sheriff. Yeah, yeah I'm looking at his IMDb and it's like sheriff, general, <laughs> FBI, marshal, <laughs> coach, captain, <laughs> special agent. <laughs> he's, he's got a type and he's good at it. In Transformers: The Last Night, he's actually General Morshower. <laughs> <laughs> they finally honored him. <laughs> he, yeah, he keeps his last name, I guess. I like Coach because it's it's like okay, what if there was a world where crime did not exist and no, nothing bad ever happened? What would this guy do? Because he can't be a sheriff or an agent or a secret service uh, agent or anything like that. What can he do? Oh, he'd be a football coach. That would be that would be the natural pivot for him. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> but I, I think the cast is it's 
it's definitely a fun movie now to go through and watch for cast uh, for yeah. cast members. Um, you can everybody does the Leonardo DiCaprio pointing <laughs> meme from uh, when they're watching this movie. It's like, oh my god, that's him. That's that's that guy. It's we. It's weird to see William Fichtner as not a traitor in a movie. Yeah, I just anytime I anytime he shows up in a movie, I still half expect him to like. It's like, oh my god, is he going to turn or, against him at some point? Or at least what's, what's like have some kind of slime. Like, where was Fickner's slime in this movie? <laughs> or like Grease? I know. Just a good soldier. Uh, then you got uh, Zelko Ivanik, who's uh, I think one of the greatest TV character actors of this century. Yeah, so many people. People we haven't even mentioned: Ron Elder, Jeremy Piven. I like, and uh, uh, he's he's one of the I guess the stars. But Sam Shepard is really. Uh, really good as the kind of uh, yeah. What is he? General, commander. I'm really ignorant about military stuff. <laughs> this is probably very offensive to. A yeah, certain I think kind he's. Of I think he's general. I like a. You know, it's, it's a little, <laughs> um, it's a little heavy-handed. But at the very end, when he's uh, he's in the kind of OR and he's just trying to help any way he can and mop up the blood because. You know he's partially responsible mm-hmm. for a lot of these people, uh, people's lives. It's like a nice little quiet scene, I guess, that kind of gives him a little, you know, closes up his little arc. Mm-hmm. He, you know, what also, um, there is a a little bit of a disconnect between him and the soldiers mm-hmm. on the ground, in, in that he he is in charge of this operation, except once it starts. It is Jason Isaac's character who's in control of all ground forces. And so I feel like there's, I don't know, I feel like there's some poetry in him mopping up some blood uh, at the end in that, you know, there's, he wasn't able to be, you know, he there is that disconnect. He's not on the ground with, yeah. his, with the and soldiers. Yeah, they do a good job kind of cutting back and forth with like, what would have been their uh, like surveillance videos, and he's he's watching on the TV, and he's like can't even stand still, kind of like pacing or like you know doing a fist on a table, can't look at the screen, like there's nothing he can do about it, kind of thing. I think he does a good job. I mean, he's Sam Shepard. He's like a he's he's a legend. Yeah. You don't you hire him to be <laughs> hired him a Sam Shepard type, and he did it, <laughs> and he's great at it. <laughs> Sam Shepard is, um, is as I, is as he could possibly be. <laughs> you mentioned you mentioned the video screens, and it reminded me of Roger Ebert's review for this movie, which uh, he had to go back and amend. And I think he, ulti- he eventually kind of rewrote the uh, review, uh, but he had to amend it because in his initial review, he dismissed and sort of mocked the um, the imagery that they were able to have uh, that like Sam Shepard was able to watch the the stuff mm-hmm. on the ground uh, he was like this is ridiculous and so many people wrote back to him saying that that is real and they were able at the <laughs> time to to be able to keep an eye on the soldiers on the ground the way they were in the movie uh that he had to basically just throw up his hands and say i'm sorry i'm i'm just an idiot film critic <laughs> that <laughs> did not know about this technology i'm so sorry for Blasting this is unrealistic. My bad. And he puts a little note in his uh, in his review for it, which is yeah. which is pretty funny. Um, okay, well, are there any any topics surrounding this movie that you want to talk about that we that we didn't really touch on? Um, 
Well, I did have one question for you. You know, this sure. uh, this movie is two and a half hours long. When would you guess which minute does the Black Hawk go down? Because I clocked it. It was it was I guess later than I thought. Yeah, because there's a lot of stuff at at the base before. Um, it it happens pretty quick once the operation mm-hmm. starts, I feel like. But that's I'll say thirty three minutes. Fifty two minutes into the movie. Almost an hour into wow. the movie, the uh, the titular Blackhawk goes down. I no. think your yeah. your mind, I guess, because of like the tension and stuff, you you kind of a lot of that gets collapsed when you think about it. It was the same thing for for me. Like this specific rewatch, I, I was like, I'm curious when that actually happens. And I thought it was like 20 minutes of character, and like, yeah, I would have pegged it in, in a half hour too. You're you're not that far off, but well, it goes it goes a little faster maybe because there are so many characters. Yeah. And you're not spending a ton of time with any single character where it feels like just get on with it. It's just you, you keep meeting new people and you internally think, okay, I need to know this person for this movie. Let's 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 see what their story is. Um, maybe that's why it feels shorter than yeah, it is. There's a lot of like things going by you. There's the like Scrabble game between the pilots. There's like a go a guy like you know it's some heavy foreshadowing trying to call his wife and his wife just misses it and it's like eh I'll I'll talk to her later. There's okay. the uh... <laughs> that's that might be the worst scene in the movie. <laughs> and uh, I was reading about that or maybe listening to a different podcast about this movie and. Uh, they mentioned that the woman in the scene is uh, the actress. Is the actress who played Russell Crowe's wife in Gladiator? Oh, the really? year before, and ultimately at, at that time was the girlfriend of Ridley Scott, and now is married to Ridley Scott. And I think he just wanted to get her a scene in the movie in a movie with yeah, no women. Only, she's probably yeah, she's the only female character, right? She's she's yeah. got to be. So I think. I think that's the explanation for that for that scene, which stands out as a little little. I don't know. That one feels very Hollywood to me. The the just yeah, missed. Not, not to be creeping about scene. movies, but we should. You know, maybe it's not a, a thing every week, but I kind of like a, like a what was your least favorite scene of the whole movie? Because it, it mine's either that one, just because it's heavy handed, or the scene when they're gearing up and you know everyone's doing their stuff. And and the uh, you know body body armor you don't need like body armor like throw that stuff away ammunition throw that on the ground and then they return to it back in the in the end like I don't even have body armor you told me I didn't need it that's like all right come on that's that's a bit much <laughs> um I, I know you you brought this up earlier which was the the characterization of the the Somali resistance um. And I, I did have one more thought on that, which was uh, I don't have. I think I would have a, an issue with it if they were shown being overly evil in some way. But I think they are shown defending uh, defending their their city and their home and and not much else. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think that they're shown to be overly. Um, I don't know, sadistic or anything. I don't. I don't remember any scenes from the movie where they're they tend to take glee in uh, 
what they're doing to the the soldiers. That's but um, yeah. I, I guess I, I guess it would have bothered me more if if they were shown to be a horrible people as a people, whereas this is just um, a warlord and his soldiers that um, are being attacked by the U.S. military, and they're just uh, you know defending and attacking. Yeah, they're kind of like the kicking off scene of like uh, dropping off the, the UN dropping off the, the like food supplies and stuff and like the warlords uh, the warlord and his uh, like uh, militia are just like firing automatic weapons into the crowd of people and they're you know their their hands are tied that they can't fire back and that's that's kind of the the impetus of like why we're okay with them with with our guys kind of going in there and, and firing at people who are firing at them. Um, yeah, it's it's fair. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. You're right. There's nothing sadistic. There's no scenes of torture or, or anything like that. Or you know, someone doesn't have a weapon and they like, I don't know, do something crazy. Um, yeah, they're they're not caricatures that you used to see in like World War II movies. Uh, you know, I, I know that would be common for like showing Japanese or Nazi soldiers in in World War II movies. Uh, maybe unrealistically taking glee in in their killing of American soldiers. But I don't I don't think I see that here. I don't think Ridley is like I said, I don't think Ridley is interested in making any point yeah. other than uh this is this was a tough situation for the for yeah. these soldiers. Ridley Scott is is super professional, but he's also very functional. And while I don't yeah, I agree. They're mm-hmm. not caricatures. They're also you don't I don't really think of them as characters. Like not caricatures, but they don't mm-hmm. really get full characters. Like maybe if a uh, I don't know a, uh, a Peter Berg or someone made it today. Like the the person driving the taxi and marking the position of uh, of Otto would would like you know we'd get his his story a little bit or like you know why he did it. But you know, really, mm-hmm. Scott is 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 a lot of things. He's very good at this kind of thing, but he's also utilitarian, and you know that's that's something you don't really totally need. It's not totally necessary to kind of kick off his uh, his action tale in this very uh, yeah very confined space, you know. And I'm just I'm still shocked that with Jerry Bruckheimer producing this that we didn't get that kind of a movie, <laughs> the one that we we dread. I'm surprised that I mean Bruckheimer's first choice was Simon West, and luckily luckily he had Tomb Raider to go do because that would have been. Uh, that would I, I think that could have been a, a, a terrible movie, just a terrible yep. movie. Um, okay, so uh, yeah, really, I don't have much that I wanted to hit on. I think we kind of talked to. Uh, do you feel that um, I, I would describe this movie as anti-war but pro-military? Would you agree yeah. with that? Yeah, the it's the the military is, is made from people, people who make sacrifices, and they you know they didn't. They don't even necessarily vote for the people that sent them there, and I think it, uh, you know, it, it doesn't need a, to do a lot to make that point. At, at a certain point in our history, like a war movie coming out, most of them are just like inherently anti-war, just for the per- just because they exist, like, because yeah. you know where we're at in, as a mm-hmm. society, we're not like a, a mili- we're not an expansionist nation or or anything like that anymore. Um, yeah, I mean, at the very least, you don't have movies that that really try to make a, like a righteous case for war. I think you have, if a movie tends to be pro-war, I think it's because of it 
presents war from like maybe like the Dirty Dozen or something. I was trying to think of what a pro-war movie might be where it's just uh, maybe that's a bad a, a bad example, but a movie where it's just you're you're not the point of the movie is to to have like fun watching these soldiers be badasses yeah. or something. And I think a movie like that could could potentially not inherently, but it could potentially be pro-war. And I haven't seen the Dirty Dozen in 20 years, so I don't think I'd am necessarily naming that but i think of that as a movie about war that is fun to watch the movie might be less pro-war than just like (laughs) pro-badass like in favor of badasses yeah and 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 i don't want to conflate the two so um i'm maybe still looking for the right example there but you're right you don't you don't run into many pro like outside of like the the 40s Um, or something like and even some in the 40s and 50s were, were also anti-war. I mean, like Stanley Kubrick's war movie and, mm-hmm. you know, a ton of other ones. Uh, maybe I'm just not thinking of the right ones. Maybe like some Chuck Norris, Steven Stagall type stuff probably gets there, but... Oh, sure. Yeah. Eh. Um, okay, so is there anything anything regarding this movie you, you want to you wanna hit on again? I think I'm going to save the Ridley Scott talk for when we when we do our director look at the end. Um, but uh, again, I don't, you know, we usually talk about themes of the movie, but I don't think there is a theme much here other than uh, war, war is hell. And it was hell for these guys. And here's what happened yep. to them. That's, they were that's very about brave, it. And <laughs> it's a I simple movie. Died instantly if I was there. So, that's pretty much it. If there was a character, if, if, there's no character even remotely close to me, but if there, yeah, if if there if there was anything close to me, it would have been a guy like refusing to get on a helicopter, just being like like faking an ankle injury or something. It's like, oh, oh, I hurt my I hurt my foot. Uh, maybe Grimesy yeah, doing sorry, some like really data entry and on his computer, like he's he's got skills. I was like, I can see myself in that, but as soon as he's called up, I'd probably be like Car- carpal tunnel. Oh yeah, or, or maybe just like faint. And just try to. Don't worry though. The feeling is mutual. The U.S. military would not want me on getting on the helicopter. They would not want me getting into one of those vehicles. They they would want me maybe behind the desk. I think I could be helpful there, but that's uh, that would be the extent of my contribution. Yep. Um. So uh, <clears throat> all right. So let's get to the Oscar race for this. So uh, Black Hawk Down was nominated for four Oscars, and we'll go one by one. Uh, let's start with. Um, Best Director. Ridley Scott earned a nomination for Best Director. He was up against Robert Altman for Gosford Park, David Lynch from Mulholland Drive, Peter Jackson for Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, and Ron Howard for A Beautiful Mind. And ultimately, this was won by Ron Howard. I was jumping so, here first and saying, uh, first off, do you, maybe something I like to do is, because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a rabid Oscarologist, and I, like, uh, I also like looking at what the guilds say as kind of like another version the guilds are like what the academy is kind of like voting for themselves about for like what a particular branch says and they had ridley scott ron howard peter jackson they also had baz lerman who did moulin rouge and christopher nolan for memento they were early on the the nolan train that was pretty that was a pretty cool nom but he didn't make it good for them do you think ridley scott deserved a nomination here would would he have gotten based on your knowledge of 2007 Uh, would he? Uh, sorry, what was the question? Would he deserve to be in the top five here? Like, like, do you think? Yeah, yeah. 
Is he a? Is this a good nomination? I think. So. I, think uh, I think there's more room for this kind of nomination, especially he has the momentum because last year he did Gladiator and he won. Uh, did he win? No, he's never won director. I don't think. Did he win director in two thousand? No, that was Steven Soderbergh. That's right. Uh, man, I shouldn't have blanked on that. I don't think he's ever won best director. He's 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 won an Oscar for producing Gladiator, I believe. But yeah, I I, I like Just him in this five because it's uh I like different kinds of movies to getting in here. There's the traditional like war epic, but this is more functioning as like a uh, like a, a claustrophobic action movie. And doing that really well, I kind of like him being here. Like seeing people for sci-fi movies, fantasy movies, like rom-coms, things that are at the edges of you know Oscars usually like biopics or historical fiction type stuff. I like seeing some some outliers here. <clears throat> so I like him being here. Okay, so this was Scott's third nomination for best director. It's his last. It's his most recent nomination for best director, and he is over three. He was nominated for Thelma and Louise, Gladiator, That's right. there, and, there was a... and lost all three. And then he was he was nominated as producer for The Martian for Best Picture, but yeah, not nominated in, for Best Director. In, I think that's 2015. There, there's a big push. Like everyone assumed he was going to because he's never he's never won before, and he, he totally just missed the nomination. The, the director's branch can get a little mm-hmm. uh, a little artistic sometimes, but. I love what they did with with uh, with this kind of group because I love David Lynch making it in here. <laughs> so I think for me, um, I, I do think it's a worthy nomination because I, I do think that I mean I started off this podcast by saying that he's the yeah. he's the reason this movie works for me, and I also think this is a very difficult movie to this is a very difficult story to tell coherently yeah. without cutting a lot of characters, and for him to uh, to to do that. And I think that a lot of that is in the editing, but hey, the director is you know ultimately in charge of everything, and I think he did an excellent job telling the story and making sure it had the right tone. Yeah, I think it's I think it was a tough movie to make, and he, he was very impressed. And it is like one of the as far as a technical aspect and putting you in this in the place of a battle, it's still one of the best and best war movies ever made. Mm-hmm. I think in that regard, so. I think it's 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 very impressive what he did. That being said, uh, who would you have uh, voted for in this category? Mm, I don't think it's close. I probably would have done David Lynch just because I love that David Lynch, not just once but multiple times, has his direction has been the only nomination a movie gets. He also did this with Blue Velvet because his <laughs> movies are so like no especially people in the academy like they probably don't understand him but the directors are just like you know fist pumping for him like we we love what you do when you do it really well and uh we covered this in a in our uh, previous podcast we did a whole thing on Mulholland Drive and that's just such that's another movie that that I mean to, I was about to say like if another director did that but that's there's not even like a, a conversation you can have or like an argument it's like well, no one else would ever nah. want to ever do anything that looks like Mulholland Drive except for David Lynch. So I'd probably give it to him as kind of my runaway vote. How about, how about you? I have three tiers of this category. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the bottom tier is the winner of this award, Ron Howard. Yeah. Which uh, just I I, it, I I like that movie okay, uh, but that's 
it's it's fine. It's a good. It's an entertaining movie, but there's nothing about the movie that is yeah. particularly memorable or great to me. It's a and, traditional uh, biopic. Right. Um, next up, I have Ridley Scott and Robert Altman, who I, I really, I do really think the the remaining four movies in this category are great, great movies. Yes. Um, Scott's is, uh, Black Hawk Down is probably the fourth, the movie I would rank fourth among these four, but um, I do think his direction was really impressive. And then Robert Altman is someone else who I, I, I really love Gosford Park and I, way, I love the way it balances the upstairs and the downstairs of that story and uh, it has a lot of characters and moving parts that you have to you have to deal with. Um, I hope we do Gosford Park suit like at some point because it's another one of those like for years I avoided it because I thought I knew exactly what it was, and then like I should have trusted the Altman of it. But it's just it's like really good, really funny, really biting, and very well done. I'm not a huge Altman fan, but I love that movie. I thought, it, and I also avoided it for a very long time. But it's great, and I would love to revisit it uh, very soon. And at the top for me is are, are Lynch and Jackson, and it's just they're they're it, trying to evaluate or rank those two is so difficult because this, <laughs> those two movies are so far apart and so unlike each other. I mean, how can I possibly? I mean, David Lynch is if if you want a if you're looking for a director who has a vision for a movie and executes that vision and is just Everything you see on a screen just poured out of his brain. That's David Lynch with Mulholland Drive. Um, maybe more parts than just his brain. I don't even know what he directs with, but he is that that movie is pure David Lynch. Meanwhile, Peter Jackson. I mean, undertaking the Lord of the Rings. It's just and what he did with that is incredible, incredible. Uh, just a phenomenal movie to make at the time, and uh, the effects and and this the the sheer size of that movie is just it's still impressive to this day and we've been making epics for 20 years since then sure is fellowship your your favorite of the three it is not my favorite of the three but i also don't like the i didn't like the oscar uh tendency to just like oh we'll save it let's save it (laughs) for uh (laughs) For the third one, um, he, my favorite is two three. Let's wait. Let's see how this thing plays out. <laughs> right, right. That's the best in the year. If he if he earned three best directors, give him three best directors. Um, but I don't. I think I think I would go David Lynch here. Yeah, um, I, I have the same top two. Then Peter Jackson would be my number two. It's, I think Fellowship's probably my favorite. But I guess I was uh, I was thinking like there's a whole trilogy there, and I kind of understand it. Especially, yeah. you know, um, the, we knew that they were shot back to back, and it was it was more of a continuation than some other things, like uh, like a George Lucas for Star Wars. Like mm-hmm. they didn't give it to him not because they thought like we're going to give it to him for the third Star Wars, but this was this was like three successive years, and everyone knew it was like back to back to back. So I could, yeah. could kind of see it a little bit there. Yeah, uh, I definitely understand it. I just. Uh... He if he released them, it is it is tough territory when they are filmed back to back to back. They're all filmed on one set or one shoot, and then they're released individually. I, I still try to treat them as individual movies that are sure. kind of standalone, but it it is tougher with that um, process. Okay, so moving on to cinematography. Uh, the cinematographer for Black Hawk Down was Slavodir Idziak. Uh, and uh, he was nominated against Andrew Lesney, who was nominated for Lord of the Rings, Bruno Delbanel for Amelie, 
Donald McAlpine or McAlpine for Moulin Rouge and Roger Deakins for the man who wasn't there. Uh, I assume just any year in the 2000s, you're just going to have Roger Deakins losing uh, in this race just almost every year uh, for something or another. But um, Yeah, and sometimes twice in one year, <laughs> in the two, especially the 2000s. And for the uh, so what did the, the guild? What did the guilds think? <clears throat> yeah, the American Cinematographers Guild. It was this was pretty close. It's everyone here was a guild nominee except for Slavadier Idziak for uh, Black Hawk Down. In his place, they had Pearl Harbor, <laughs> Bruckheimer's other war movie this year, and they actually had uh, the man who wasn't there, the uh, Coen Brothers movie winning. Sorry, my internet just died, and the call on Skype actually hung on for <laughs> the entirety of my internet dying and reconnected without smart. having to call back. That's great. That's great. Um, okay, so I may have missed what you were saying, um, but uh, other than Pearl Harbor was uh, got the got the guild nomination. But where would you uh, do you think that do you, uh, I'll ask the same question? Did you like the nomination for Idziak here? Yeah, it's it's kind of a, a different kind of nomination. It's not the like uh, like a uh, there will be blood type nomination. We have like huge right. vistas, huge mountainsides, or like the uh, the like the Lord of the Rings, where you have giant things that people create, and you're seeing sunsets and magic hour and stuff. It is a uh, instead it's a uh, like. Black Hawk Down is 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 the the word I keep coming back to. It's super claustrophobic, and it's at night. It's night mm-hmm. vision. You can barely see stuff. There's like street lights that's like going through window panes, and it's it's hard to see some stuff. But you know, is is true to life, I guess a little bit. It's like screens, surveillance screens, stuff like that. So it's it's kind of like I like when the Academy does this. It's it's kind of like a different kind of uh, kind of like like when the lighthouse. Um, the Robert Eggers movie gets nominated. It's different, so it's kind of not your typical thing. So I, I like that it got nominated for that. I, I would agree with that. It's uh, you know I, I don't think it, I would have called this uh, a, a snub if it didn't, but um, pretty okay. Uh, I, I like the nomination. Fine. I think that the cinematography was good. I do tend to prefer those other types of cinematography. That 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 more carefully planned like visual like uh like you know, scenes that look like a painting or something like that that I, I tend to mm-hmm. be more impressed by that but this was this was impressive it's 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 a hard movie to shoot and uh mm-hmm. they did it well who would you have uh, voted for here um i probably have some consideration for the man who wasn't there it's it's a uh... It's it's a weird movie, but it's it's a gorgeous black and white movie. But I'd probably go to the eventual winner, Andrew Lesney. It it it's definitely a painting style movie and making all that stuff real. You know, great collaboration with Peter Jackson. So I'd probably give, uh, you know, the Os- the Oscars did it right. I don't know, they do it sometimes. I I agree. I, I would have picked Les- Lesney here. Um, I haven't seen the man who wasn't there, and uh, so I, I don't know about, much about Deacon's work there. But I, I do prefer the Lord of the Rings pick here. Sure. Next nomination was for best sound. Uh, it was nominated against uh, Moulin Rouge, Pearl Harbor, Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, and Amelie. Were there any other Guild uh, nominations worth mentioning here? 
So all of those were Guild nominees that year, except for Amelie, which is an interesting one. And in its place, they nominated Shrek. You really have to go back in time. Shrek was really a phenomenon. Shrek was like nominated for like best screenplay and stuff. People were like, you know, fairy tales, but jokes for adults. You know, that's amazing. I can't yeah. explain why it got a sound nomination um, from the guilds, but it didn't get an Oscar nomination. I don't know. A little minor it tangent did, for that. It did have sound, to be fair. This is a this is a slam dunk victory for this movie in my mind. Um, yep. This is this was a, it, this movie sounds incredible. It is the the number one feature of this movie that I would point to as to why it's great is the sound. It's phenomenal. E- easy easy award choice for me. What about you? <clears throat> yeah, it's it's the one like if you get like a Blu-ray or like 4K or like a Dolby system or like a good sound system, it's the kind of thing that you you feel in the sound in your chest. It's one of those kind of movies, and that that it helps put you in the middle of the action of like stuff firing around you, and you feel like look over your shoulder sometimes, like when when the bullets start whizzing and like there's explosions and and fire happening. It's it's it's. It's one of the things that grounds it the most. It, the sound is literally so good, and you're you're absolutely correct that it's you feel it in your chest to the point where we had to stop watching. I, I was originally watching this movie with my wife, and we had to turn it off because her heart was beating too fast. She said, <laughs> "Just watching the movie." Uh, it it really, and I think it was the sound. I think the sound was just like thumping her, uh, and. Yeah, so it's it's it does maybe too good of a job of putting you in that place, but yeah, I think it's a, a great sounding movie. Oscar did it um, right. Another Oscar, another another. Yeah, so two for three so far. Uh, film editing. This was nominated against Beautiful Mind, Memento, Moulin Rouge, and Lord of the Rings: The Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, this was the Guild winner for drama, and uh, it won the Oscar as well. So. Uh, any any other guild nominees to, to mention here? Yeah, the, the film editing gets a ton of nominations from the guild because they split up drama and comedy like the Golden Globes do. So some of the other ones that didn't make it in were on the were on the comedy side, like Amelie, Gosford Park, Monsters Inc., Royal Tenenbaums, and and Shrek. I wouldn't see any of those. Man, if Shrek creeped in here, I'd be like, "Come on, Academy, <laughs> get, get enough with the Shrek." <laughs> What's so funny is the, the the Academy's always been so resistant to uh, you know fan favorite you know uh, public pushes for for awards yeah. and if Shrek had gotten I mean they would have I just wonder like the Dark Knight could have been it could have won so many Oscars if only Shrek had just opened up those doors so many years ago <laughs> only if Shrek could have gotten through I like to um, think people who are like you know academy members like i don't know like a werner herzog gets like a screener for shrek like what does he do <laughs> it's like i'm voting for this thing what does shrek <laughs> i don't know why he popped into my mind as like uh, the serious guy who's like gotta think about shrek <clears throat> for a second maybe it's his favorite movie i don't know i don't know you werner <laughs> so uh is this uh is this a good winner here is this who your winner would be uh, I'd probably go Memento because it's uh, it's uh, the thing that's doing the different thing. It the don't get me wrong, the editing here is really good, and it really com- it it both compacts and expands what's going on there. 
like the thing that there's you feel like you're in real time as it's going on for a while there's some overnight stuff happening you know the movie's not it was 48 hours it's not 48 hours long but some things feel like they're they're all happening in real time and you're like on the edge of your seat and you have dread and there's things that kind of you know move along and it's the it's the thing like in hindsight where i think like like the the crash happened immediately and then like there's all those stuff there's the mogadishu mile at the end and like you know it's wrapped up in a neat bow and a lot of that's because of the pacing of the editing so it's really good there but i think i would probably vote for memento because it told a movie backwards and that blew my 15 year old (laughs) mind the first time i saw that i thought that was like the coolest thing it was like that's when I like got addicted to like twist movies or like mind bending movies. Yeah. And then like well, not all of them really have a lot to say, <laughs> you know, after a couple years into a lot of those. But I thought they it it was a really cool on like a small budget thing that you know no one didn't edit it. I don't actually I forgot who actually edited it for Memento, but I was obsessed with Memento when I was a fifteen, sixteen year old kid. I thought it was the coolest. So I'm going to vote as a 15-year-old and say, Memento, you just got your Oscar. I'm going to have to edit out all my long sighs that I let <laughs> loose every time my internet dies, uh, which is, I'm getting, a, uh, yeah, listeners, I'm getting a new router, hopefully in like two weeks. So you just keep hopefully it on this will be... like when it's David talking and, and Brent just going, ugh. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm also I'm worried that it's I'm worried that also like I can't hear what you're saying when it when it dies, but I'm glad that you're talking when it does. And uh, when I come back, I'm afraid that I'm going to be like, yeah, that's a good point. However, and then just say the same thing you just said. <laughs> <laughs> that's my concern. But uh, anyway, I, I do like those. I think those are the clear top two for me in this category. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I mean, the the other three. I guess a beautiful mind in order to tell that story has to have some good editing, and I, I suppose mm-hmm. it does. Moulin Rouge, I. I haven't seen in 20 years and then Lord of the Rings yeah everything about that movie is good but yep. um, it doesn't stand out to me in the way that uh, they do for Memento and for Black Hawk Down I think I think uh, I definitely don't dislike a vote for Memento here however I think I would put more of, I, I love the same thing about Memento obviously but I think I would put more of that into the screenplay for it sure. uh, yeah. the, the original screenplay and if I were a voter, I would try, you know, I don't even know if Memento was up for original screenplay that year, but if, if it were, I would maybe give it a, give that a vote instead uh, of voting for it here. Cause I do think that, I don't know. I, th- I think that keeping me, keeping this story coherent when I don't know all these characters names and it's, there's so many characters to keep track of. It's just, it's very impressive to me that I was able to follow this movie as well as I was. Mm-hmm. And there are, there are soldiers in three or four different places and you're able to kind of keep track of, of the three or four different stories uh, that yeah. are all kind of going along concurrently that, that it's, it's impressive because all these places look alike and they're all foreign to me. The, the viewer, the Georgia born viewer who I've never been to Mogadishu. I don't know what this should look like. And so it's, there's, there's no way for me to follow this other than just, the sequencing of the movie and how it's told. So I think it's done really well. Yeah, there's Rangers, there's Delta Force, Night Stalkers, there's like Pararescue, there's the, the there's like the leadership. There's there's so many things up in up in the air. You, you make a you make a good case for it. But I'm gonna stick with my fifteen year old self. I'm gonna I'm gonna vote for Memento because it's cool. 
<laughs> it was cool. <laughs> I will give you that. It was real cool. Okay, is, are there any other categories where you think uh, Black Hawk Down should have maybe gotten a nomination? Well, I got some other guild noms. Uh, it had a Writer's Guild nomination for Best Screenplay, Adapting the Book. Um, I probably... I'll, I'll just say... And it also got... Uh, um, I'd like this one, like a Production Design Guild nominee for Best Contemporary Production Design. I probably would shy away from saying it should have been nominated for writing. I think there's a lot of the... I don't want to say in spite of, but the the editing and the direction really helps. You don't really need a really written movie, I guess, for this to, to, to work. There's the and, little backstories know, and stuff, but it's not integral the way like writing for uh, Memento or for like Fellowship of the Rings or other movies. It's it's integral to its success. Well, yeah, I, I would. Well, I, I mean, I agree as far as like characterization goes. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think you need deep characters. I suppose if the same things I was crediting Memento's screenplay for could also be credited here. If Black Hawk Down is able to if the screenplay is what does a nice job of keeping us keeping all these stories going alongside each other then maybe that's where it does deserve some praise but at the same time having just all all I've done is watch the movie I haven't read the screenplay mm-hmm. it didn't stand out to me as award worthy the the screenplay did not so um, I'm I'm kind of with you there I do think the production design was very impressive they, they shot this in Morocco and West African architecture is very different than East African architecture. And so they had to go through and uh, basically remake the sections of whatever place, whatever town they were in. Uh, they had to go turn it into Mogadishu. And I thought they did. Again, I'm no expert. I don't know if they did an accurate job. Uh, I don't know what Mogadishu should look like, but uh, I, I do know the work that they put in on this movie and uh, to create these um, city streets and these areas. I, it's, it was very impressive, and I, I don't know. I, I don't feel like it was so great that it got cheated necessarily, but I think it, it would have deserved a nomination for production design. Yeah, uh, that's that's. I, I'm in the same boat. It's, it's the closest I'm coming to seeing to saying the one it, it really missed out on, especially for you know buzzword again how claustrophobic it makes everything, but it yeah. feels logical. Like these are actual places and not just like like they're in a they're in a bunker and all of a sudden it feels it's like thirty feet across and they get out and it's like ten feet across like you know it doesn't feel like they're cheating geography like they're actually moving <clears> through <throat> real space. That year is like Moulin Rouge, Gosford Park for art for set decoration. They called it art direction. Like that, that's mm. pretty good. Lord of the Rings is really good. Harry yeah. Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Oh, it's like, good. That's yeah. no one's favorite Harry Potter, but. You know, really set the visual template and, and like made absolutely made that make heart Hogwarts real. And then Amelie, that's the star of that movie. Yeah, and then Amelie, another one of those things where it's like the town's a character, like yeah, like that kind of thing. You know, was was pretty good. Maybe I'd kick Amelie out or something, but I don't know. Amelie is also pretty good. How about best best picture? Um. Well, if you have a group uh, this is, I guess this depends. Like Since 2009, we have a group of 10, 9, 8, 7, something like that. Now it's 10 going forward. In the group of 5, um, I probably like it better than a Moulin Rouge that got in, but I guess I understand why Moulin Rouge was there. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'd probably have to think of a lot of other movies that I would have in this top five, just because five is so small for for this year. I, there's probably other movies I'd have before Black Hawk Down, like Kick Out a, a Moulin Rouge. So it probably wouldn't crack it for me. How about uh, how about for you? It would. I actually went through and I I forgot to make to write this list down, but um. I'm remembering right. My list for 2001. If I had my druthers, uh, it would have been Lord of the Rings, um, Mulholland Drive, yeah. E2 Mama Tambien, yeah. Spirited Away, and I forget what the fifth movie was, but I don't think it was. Um, oh, maybe uh, Royal Tannenbaums might have been my fifth. Yeah. I like a lot of those movies. The uh, I have to double check, like some of the foreign and animated stuff. Like Spirit Away was technically the next year after this. Oh, for Oscar eligibility. And I'm not sure about Itu Mama Tambien if it was. It might have been nominated this year. No, it wasn't nominated this year. Yeah. And I'm just working off a list of movies that came out in 2001 on Letterboxd. Yeah, so. I'm looking at my Letterbox too. Yeah, I have. I probably would uh, have Royal Tenenbaums above like a Black Hawk down in there, just because you know, it's a really good movie. And also, I you know, I'm a fan of just fun movies too. So Ocean's Eleven might also crack my top five uh, for this year. Love that movie. But um, but if if this were a ten, if this were a, a category of ten, I think Black Hawk Down pretty easily makes my back five. Yeah, especially for the uh, the the technical like achievement that it is. Um, I think it. I think it could deserve being in the ten, but yeah, I don't think so in the five. Agreed. All right. So uh, moving on down, we'll we'll skip the cast because we already kind of went deep on the cast. Um, Ridley Scott. So my question that I I wanted to talk about this movie a little bit, which was just Ridley Scott. It, is there a unifying trait to his movies for you? Is he an auteur? Is he someone that you has a recognizable trend? In the way that, like, obviously, I mean, maybe not to the degree of a Quentin Tarantino or a, uh, why, who did Memento? Why can I not think of Christopher Nolan? Uh, those, those guys are definitely auteurs. They have, they have beats that you know you can recognize from movie to movie. But um, how would you describe Ridley Scott's movies to someone? Because I, I feel like he's, or have we already touched on it? Is he just the consummate pro <laughs> that you know can kind of just do any kind of movie and? Um, it it really hinges on the material itself because he's made some bad movies, uh, but he's also made some truly great ones. So, what what are your thoughts on Ridley Scott as a filmmaker? The closest director, and I think there's some differences, but I think we've talked about before is Ang Lee, and that like Ridley Scott here has horror movies, science fiction movies, action movies. He's got comedy or two. He's got like historical movies. Um, some romantic movies like sequels like pretty much any kind of movie he's he's done um he's probably i wouldn't consider him as much of like an auteur or an artist as like an angley because i think if you ask him and he's given like interviews before it's like the number one thing he wants his movie to do is make money because he is a producer (laughs) as you know as as good as he is as, as a director like consummate professional He's also a consummate producer. 
Because he's I like that he's not pretending to not be. I like that he's just like, I want to so make money. Refreshing. I want people to go see my movies. Yeah. When, uh, he kind of had like a, uh, a renaissance with The Martian. It had been about a good five, maybe ten years since he was kind of in relevance be- before that. Um, and he was giving interviews like, would you like a nomination? And he's like, my nomination is like, we made a hundred million dollars <laughs> from this like airport book. Like people just bought from the airport. <laughs> I, at least I did. And he's like, read it in a weekend kind of movie. So I, I, you know, I kind of, maybe it's, maybe it's being like snobby, but I wouldn't consider him an auteur. He, he doesn't write his movies. You don't have to write your movies to be an auteur like that. Like, Ang Lee doesn't really write his movies, but I consider him more of an artist. This is kind of like, there's some feel to this, I guess. What, mm-hmm. am I, uh, maybe I'm, I'm missing something. Do you, do you have a take on Ridley? That's, that's no, different? he's, he's, he's been hard to pin down for me. I mean, it's, he has some of my favorite movies. Alien is probably my favorite horror movie, uh, of all time. And, um, I think, I think it's just, it's just one of my favorite movies in general. And then uh, he followed that up with Blade Runner, which is just an incredible sci-fi film. And then... Um, yeah, like Thelma and Louise, so much humanity and like empathy in that movie. And and I know Gladiator kind of gets a uh, gets a dump taken on it, but it's still a really good, you know, movie packed with action and, and characters. And, yeah. And The Martian it's entertaining is as hell. super entertaining. And even last year... I wasn't a big Gucci fan, but the last duel was really good. If I don't know if you Haven't saw seen it. it, you know it was really well done, <laughs> as you can say for, for you know nearly all of these movies. Where where does uh, Black Hawk Down rank for you in Ridley Scott? If you had to do an off the cuff ranking, I didn't do off the cuff because you always ask me, and I never I kind of like go loosey goosey prepared and like things. So I ranked all of the ones I've seen. So I have it as my sixth favorite of, okay. of the Ridley Scott movies. I'll do it. I'll just do it. I'll go. Black Hawk Down is six. I have The Martian above it. I just have a lot of fondness for that movie. Um, I like the book. I saw it in the theater, and it's like, go, really, Scott. You're, you are awesome. You know, this is going to make $150 million. The guy grows potatoes out of his excrement. Like, you know, single character thing. It's another thing, like, you know, it's a challenge to make that as a movie, like one character. And then uh, above that, I have Thelma and Louise really good I have Gladiator above that might be a little controversial I'm higher on Gladiator than maybe some letterbox people I have Alien number two I'm and I have Blade Runner number one that's, that's fine he's got a lot of iconic you had, shots here like I don't have a problem putting Alien at number two if Blade Runner is number one if you had followed Alien up with and number one 1492 <laughs> Conquest of Paradise then I would have had to argue a little bit but Ah, Blade Runner's great too. Um, I think for me, Black Hawk Down would be th- I, maybe it's recency. I'm, I think I would put it third right now oh, because okay. it's just it's just more recent for me. I haven't seen Gladiator in a long time, and I haven't seen Thelma and Louise in even longer. So it's uh, I actually don't even know if I've ever seen Thelma and Louise all the way through in, in a single watch. It. Maybe one of those I think like I saw them. TNT or USA watches, TBS kind of thing. Probably back in the mid-late 90s is yeah. when I saw it. So uh, I, I feel like I can't even really rank that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a little above The Martian, although I think they're comparable for me. And then other than that, it's things that it's just uh, 
clearly oh gladiator like i said gladiator i would need to see again i would probably have it right behind this as number four and then the martian five okay. and then it's then it's a pretty distant drop for me to sixth because i think my sixth would be yeah is it prometheus it might be prometheus which is which is quite a drop some um, people really love legend i feel like you had to see that when you were a kid mm-hmm. or or it's kind of schlocky I've never seen that. I have seen, seen I have seen 1492. I hated it. Uh, I've seen Hannibal, which is not good, but it's it's interesting in how weird and bad it is. Yep. Um, I've seen. Gosh, is is that it? Yeah, There's the American I'm, Gangster. I think that's the one that a lot of people nowadays look back on and really like. Oh, that was like a lot of anticipation for that movie. But for me, it was, it was kind of like it was, it was just kind of it was kind of okay. Yeah, I've never never saw it. Uh, okay, well, where would you guess that Ridley Scott ranks in the database of greatest movie directors? All right, so a lot of directors. He's got a lot of movies here, but they're all over the board. There's a lot that are below three, and he's got a couple above four, which is really good for. And again, we're talking, we are not sponsored by Letterboxd, but we both like it. So I'll, yeah. I'll use that. Uh, four out of five <clears throat> is their, their ranking. I'd put, I'd say he's probably like 265. Ridley Scott does really well in this. So the, I will remind you that bad scores don't hurt a director's score. Mm-hmm. They only represent wasted time that he could have been making good movies. It's, it's the M. Night Shyamalan rule because originally I did have it based on average score and then M. Night Shyamalan finished as like the... He finished like only higher than Uwe Boll. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, okay, this is a problem. He's a better director than that. So I had to go back and redo my entire manner of ranking when M. Night Shyamalan was worse than like concert directors. Uh, um, maybe, maybe I'll say, I guess like a 185 then with that in mind because he's, he's got like... 27 films in here. He's he ranks 79th. Wow. He is in the top 100 of 27 movies with an average rating of three point, nearly 3.6, which is it's a good average rating. Even his bad movies like aren't that bad according to Letterboxd. I mean, to have a... And not, again, they don't really count against him here, but uh, his... Movies tend to be generally liked. I mean, when you're getting when you're getting a few extra points here and there from Kingdom of Heaven and Matchstick Men, then that's uh, making making lots of movies will will help. That's surprisingly got... high. I guess I was you know you think of Ridley Scott has directed so many movies. He's he also like his list of movies he's produced has a lot more. There's a lot more crap, but also really good movies. So in looking mm-hmm. at it. When I was doing the ranking, there wasn't as many as much like five stars as I thought there would have been, because I just think like Ridley Scott's directed like fifty movies, but it was a lot less than yeah. I thought. Well, he has he has eight movies at three point seven or higher, mm-hmm. and half of those are at four or higher. And having four movies at four plus is, it's I would imagine it's fairly rare territory, uh, especially. And then you get a, something like a four point three is, Alien is probably. Uh, if I had to guess, one of the 50 highest rated movies on Letterboxd. Yeah, so if you're responsible for that, then that that's going to really escalate. Um, so, because it's all, it's uh, my, my rankings are like exponential based. So mm-hmm. 
the the gain from f- four point two to four point three is greater than the gain from four point one to four point two. Anyway, yeah, good director that Ridley, but hard to uh, hard to really sum up uh, really easily. Yeah. And then uh, I left this open from earlier. <clears throat> Let me reload this page. Um, where did you guess that Blackout Down ranks in the, um, the the most acclaimed films of all time? This is this makes this is even a harder game to guess. Oh my word! Uh, yeah, um, I don't know. Uh, it's hard to get a gauge here. Um, maybe. Well, let me let, let me ask you this. Let me let me give you some choice. Let me give you some choices. Do you think this is a top? Okay, well, we can say top hundred or top five hundred movie, top thousand movie, top twenty five hundred movie, or top ten thousand. Maybe top twenty five hundred movie. You're correct. It's uh, number nineteen eighty one, one thousand nine hundred eighty first most okay. acclaimed movie of all time, according to their very impressively extensive database. Sure. Uh, that they're able to to rank that. Um, that, that feels about right. Just inside the top two thousand, it's it's not it's not a movie that I would easily describe it as one of the greatest movies ever made. But it's it is a really good one. Um, it's good at what it does. Um, all right. So, <clears throat> anything more we want to sum up on Black Hawk Down, or uh, are we ready to connect it to our last movie, A Mighty Wind? No, I think we, we touched on the legacy. Sometimes I uh, this is maybe more influential for like behind the camera stuff. Like the the gritty take on things, I think it, the two thousands went a little bit overboard sometimes with the gritty versions of things and, and kind of there's there's some movies I could point to of like why is this even the gritty version? Why is this no fun that that was mm-hmm. after this? But you know the kind of like veritas style filmmaking I think was probably pretty influential with action movies which were usually bombastic and operatic and insane. Um, sometimes before this, I, I don't know if this You're, is really the, the nexus of changing it, but it could have been just maybe it's a uh, uh, one of those uh, pieces of evidence of how filmmaking was changing in action movies. Yeah, I, I do think it, I, I might go with that more than this being sort of a a meteor that that slammed into cinema or anything. That I think that um, I think that. As far as movies that were sh- that saw big audiences, the first the opening section of Saving Private Ryan mm-hmm. uh, kind of was my first taste of just horror and grittiness on the battlefield, yep. and I think this is just extending that to a full length film. Yeah, that's a good um, call. That's a good connection. It's just three years later, and um, it's. Uh, I do think though that this this. You're right that this is the next. This is the the next step in in kind of dictating how war movies are going to be shown, even to this day. Mm-hmm. That you, if you're gonna, if you're trying to make a serious war movie, then you have to be gritty and you know like this, like this movie is. And I, I think that's its lasting effect. And and yeah, you you still. I think like I said, every, every war movie today still has Black Hawk Down's DNA in it somewhere. Yeah, even like like the. Uh probably couldn't be further from it but like like a 1917 from a couple years ago is you're still having like the the camera shaking and like sand and like waters getting on the camera and you're like in the thick of it 
it, it kind of has some of the same DNA. And yeah, I, I don't think this is the uh, the thing that changed everything, but this was, you know, one of the things on the wave of change. Also, I think this definitely helped Glenn Morshower become a general in the Transformers universe. <laughs> yeah, General <laughs> so Morshower. I think that's I think that's huge. Uh, but the cast is also another reason I think this has a lot of lasting appeal. I mean, there's just yeah. a it's just a there there must be 25 people who you either know their name or you can point to what you've seen them in. Yeah. If you were an actor in your like mid to late mid 20s to to mid 30s, you should you probably were kicking your your agent or something that I wasn't in this. I'll caveat that. If you were probably a white actor in your yeah. your late 20s, early 30s, you should have been you should have been in this movie because everybody else was. Well, David, can you connect this to A Mighty Wind? I tried with so many actors. I thought I could do it. I I don't think I can do it. I don't know how to do it. Well, there's, there's one Oscar connection that, uh, you know, this, this lost, uh, this lost, uh, best cinematography to the Lord of the Rings movie. Mighty Wind lost their best song to the Lord of the Rings song. That was the end of that trilogy where Peter Jackson got his, his best Oscar. So they both lost to the Lord of the Rings franchise. Uh, beyond that, anything about the characters or themes, I, I, I'm at a loss. Uh, they're, they're both ensemble movies. Yep. Yep, that's true. And uh, um. <laughs> I don't know, I'd probably have to see both side by side simultaneously to, to get more than that. Maybe one person also is at a computer at some point, just like Grimesy was. <laughs> and it looked like an old style one. I, mean, I just kept watching. It was like, is Bob Balaban in this? Is Jane Lynch in this movie, buddy? <laughs> but sadly, no. Maybe for the best that Jane Lynch wasn't in this one. Um, all right, so <clears throat> that's it for Black Hawk Down. Overall, good movie. I think. I think we're both on generally on the side of this movie. Yeah. And not not absolutely perfect masterpiece, but. Uh, a really good movie. Yeah, I was wondering if it was going to lose some of its power, seeing it back, you know, and maybe a little inflated, but it's still uh, still a pretty powerful, action-packed movie. So Yeah. Same for me, and I think it's, it is because it is just trying to tell the soldier story rather than trying to convince me that what America was doing that day was right. Yep. Uh, that And that goes a long way. Great, great narrowing of the scope to, to kind of make it a little timeless. Well, speaking of timeless, mm. got a, got another movie for us to watch. This is one that I saw in the theaters, Ooh. so it's this is uh, we're, we're we're stuck in the same age a little bit, but hey, I'm I'm trying to be true to my randomizer here. This is a, a 2003 movie. They got four nominations at the Oscars, so we're returning to 2003, where we just were with uh, um, a Mighty Wind. This is going to be a movie that uh, probably loses some things to Return of the King. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing if it if it was nominated in several categories, I would say this is a this is a an epic journey film. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, I was about to say Lost in Translation, but I wouldn't consider that an epic journey. Is no, it like, a journey of self, perhaps? But is it uh, Cold Mountain? It's not Cold Mountain. It is a a larger journey, bigger, bigger distance traveled, I believe. Oh, um, Last Samurai? <laughs> no. Yeah, okay. It's about one character looking for another character, and mm-hmm. 
um, that they've kind of lost contact with, and they it's sort of about the uh, the all the all the other characters they meet along the way, in in trying to uh, reconnect. Sea biscuit. <laughs> Let me give you some cast members. I don't want to give you the tagline for this movie, but here we'll we'll go through the cast. This is this is going to have uh, Stephen Root is in this cast. Okay, I like him. Allison Janney. All right, I like her. Willem Dafoe is in this cast. Wow. How am I drawing such a blank? Jeffrey Rush is in this category. Uh, cast. Still a blank. Wow. I believe the title character, however, is Alexander Gould, who is a virtual unknown to me. Yet they are the title character. Um, I'm still the protagonist. Me. The protagonist is played by Albert Brooks. Big Fish? No, that's not Albert Brooks. Oh, Finding Nemo. <laughs> Finding Sorry. Nemo. <laughs> That's Albert Finney. <laughs> thought, at first, I thought you thought this movie was called Big Fish. <laughs> I think both those movies are the same year, too. <laughs> Finding Nemo. Finding okay. Nemo. Four nominations. Yeah. Which like, which surprised me. It was one of those was... screenplay ones, and I think it got a sound one, too. Got nominated for Best Original Screenplay, Best Animated Feature, Best Original Score, and Best Sound Editing. There you go. So this is after the sound split, so we'll have to go into the creation of sounds for this <laughs> in order to to look at the editing. This is one, and I hope the listeners don't groan next time we do this, but I've not seen this since I've had a kid. I wonder if that oh, colors okay. it a little differently. It's not, my, it's not my favorite Pixar. I wouldn't put it in my top five or anything. Maybe not my top ten, but we'll see. I This is one I've not seen in a very long time. Oh, good. I was af- I was afraid it might be fresh, but it's It's a pretty rewatchable movie. Mm-hmm. But I And I haven't, I actually haven't seen it in probably a decade or more. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. So that's your assignment, Finding Nemo. And uh, we'll, we'll do a Pixar rank maybe next time. That would be a good one. That could be fun. If you're listening, please subscribe. Uh, any, anything else? Uh, follow us on Letterboxd, TMBU on Letterboxd. You can follow The Media Bias on Twitter at The Media Bias. And uh, I don't know. That's about it. Shout out to our listeners from the uh, Effectively Cinephiled group. What's up? Listen. No, I, just, I look forward to the uh, feeling the Finding Nemo sound in my chest. Just like Black Hawk Down <laughs> for next time. But I think that's it. Appreciate everybody. And uh, uh, we're going to do it again. And it should probably not be another five Hopefully months. Hopefully in less than six months. Hopefully. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, that's it. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye.